0: Do you reckon we're in this funny pocket of time generally, where at one point everything was in person and then everything was virtual. And now I guess we're kind of hybrid a little bit. Can we take the best bits of all those virtual experiences we had for a couple of years and then blend them together with in-person experiences that people crave so we can continue to innovate in healthcare settings and create these environments that aren't just super efficient but they're people-centric so they're optimized for the people within them whether they're the patients receiving the care within the facility or the clinicians or the admin staff the employees the contractors, the people working within them. It's an interesting topic to consider. Well, with me today on the show is Jerry Kennard, CEO of a healthcare and workplace design fit out business called Evoke Projects. And he's also founder of the Practice Success Collective, which is a network of experts to holistically support practice owners in their journey of starting or purchasing their own practice and then growing their business to achieve success, whatever that might look like for them. In this episode, we talk about the priorities and trends that we're seeing within clinic fit outs in Australia, what this whole concept of a people-centric practice actually is, the importance of taking a more holistic approach to the physical design of a clinic, and a lot more too. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech Audience Survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or ten minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode, or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. Jerry Kennard, it's been a hot minute since we spoke on the podcast. It's great to have you here on the show again. Thanks for joining, mate.
1: Thank you, Pete, and um, yeah, really excited to be back on. It's been a while. Yeah. Well, I I was looking at
0: the the back catalogue just before we pressed record, and and the last time we had you here on the podcast was in uh, April 21, I believe. Okay, wow. So I think it was episode 131, and... um,
1: And what are you up to now?
0: Yeah, oh, this will be three hundred and and something three okay. when this gets released. 330, 340. I was going to say there's yeah. been
1: a bit of water under the bridge since then. That's right. And quite a <laughs> bit for you. Yeah,
0: yeah. And 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 looking back here, it looks like when when we spoke back in April twenty one, we spoke about the impact of COVID on clinics and the importance of good physical design for practice success. But maybe you know, and people can go back and listen a bit more about who you are and what you do there but perhaps give it a bit more context context tell us um what you've been up to since we last spoke on the podcast and and what's keeping you busy now
1: yeah thinking back to april 21 quite a bit so you know it's interesting with covid obviously it was it was reasonably i think i'm trying to think april 21 whether we'd been through how many lockdowns but i think we're in the midst um, of on
0: and off roundabout yeah
1: yeah yeah and um I think everyone was in a bit of a quandary as to what that meant for the physical space, what that meant long term. I don't know about you, but when COVID hit, you sort of thought "Oh, six months will be out of this. And, um, you know, two years in, three years in, we're still
0: I'll have to find. What? I'll have to find the picture, but we were in the office and there's a post-it note where we all wrote our guesses of how long it is until we come back. <laughs> <Okay>. And my, <laughs> I was at the top. I said two weeks until we come back. So <laughs> okay. um, I, I got that a little wrong. The
1: ultimate optimist. Someone did, yeah, yeah, someone yeah, yeah. did say
0: twelve yeah. months on that, and like, well, yo, you're, yo, what do you mean?
1: Can't uh, <laughs> you so, pessimist. Yeah, Get yeah.
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: here we are. Yeah. So I mean, thinking back to then, it was very early days. Um, there was a lot of temporary measures. I would say. Put in place more tests to protect staff, and obviously we didn't know what the long term was. We didn't hardly even knew what the disease was, um, and the repercussions. But I think um, over the course of the next two years, and I think things have settled down to be a bit more realistic in um, what's required. But I think what probably has been the best thing that's come out out of it all is um, really it's given a boost to the tech industry when it comes to systems and processes and technology that's really allowed, instead of having to expand, just an example, instead of having to expand the size of waiting areas, just put in a, a patient engagement software that allows people to come when their appointment's ready, go off, have a coffee, do what you need to do. You know, and I, I think that's been probably a, one one of the many silver linings of covid um, that we've seen is that it's pushed people into embracing tech because, at the end of the day, um, real estate's expensive. It's, it's expensive exercise to fit out. Why inflate the amount of space you need when there's technology that can help you be more efficient in the way you run your practice? You know, and people often say to us, like, what's the big deal about you do fit outs? Where's technology in that? It really works, it's hand in hand. And there's so much when it comes to the efficient running of a practice from a spatial perspective, but also the technology piece is absolutely crucial.
0: Absolutely. It's it's funny because you think of that example that you gave about a instead of increasing the size of your waiting room, how can you have a patient engagement tool to... So I guess getting people to do some things in like outside of the clinic, is that what you mean? And um,
1: like, yeah, yeah. So there's two aspects to that. Um, you either have it on an app on your phone. I don't know if you've been to a, a GP and use Doc, but that's that's a good example. And secondly, if you're not an app user on your phone, you can, when you actually enter the clinic, most people will have a concierge type login to use the the app in the clinic. And you know from from our perspective i think it's that it is the way forward we need to be seeing less of these big long reception deaths and more of the concierge feel you know it should be like a, a the ultimate in customer experience you know the patient experience should who doesn't like a valet experience when it comes to feeling a bit special
0: do you i'm interested too. like the the, the clinics that you work with and doing fit outs when i think of say your GP clinics around Australia, there's certainly different demographics. Those that would be in areas that might be predominantly bulk billing and try and get through as many patients as possible. And they might be optimized for efficiency versus those that might be in more affluent areas that might be optimizing more for providing that kind of valet or concierge type service. Are you finding that it's very much, it's either one or the other, or are there a bit of a mix of everything now?
1: No, interesting question. I would say that it's probably got a lot, okay, the finishes of a practice are very much determined by the target market and the demographic um, when it comes to the look and feel and, the, and that emotional journey of, well, when I say emotional journey, the environmental, fin- h- how far you go with cost definitely plays a part. But when it comes to technology and, and embracing things like, you know, edge. Um, logins and and patient waiting patient engagement. I think to be honest, it's across the board because practices it, it's improving the way practices operate, whether they're in a fast-paced environment or whether they're in a in a higher socioeconomic environment where people want more personalized service. to me and I think to the general public, that personalized service is potentially through an app anyway. um so I think, whichever side of the fence you're on or which, wherever you are on the social demographic scale, I think the requirement for that type of technology is the same. So to answer that's probably a long way to answer your question, but to answer your question, I don't think there's a lot between them. It's probably more in the finishes and the, and the level of specification of the actual design of Hmm. practice.
0: Yeah. Okay. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach, and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. Um, Look, and I look at what You've been doing since we last spoke as well, just generally. There's, of course, the stuff with Evoke, but uh, the Practice Success Collective, I've seen a lot about, about that recently, and that's been keeping you busy. What What's that all about?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think I'm a glutton for punishment on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> what started off as a bit of a, um, I think, again, that was another silver lining of COVID for me and for our team. You know, what came out of COVID was, hey, let's do something together with some other Collaborating businesses that service the industry, due to the COVID sort of situation, we went, "Hey, let's do something. Let's give back to the community. Let's, you know, provide something a bit educational." Um, has turned into quite the the education piece when it comes to online summits. So we now are doing five online summits a year. Five of them. Five. I thought I was going yeah. pretty hard with four, but I okay, know. that's why I thank Glutton for punishment. Yeah, right. Um, so we're kicking off at the end of this month with a, a startup summit, which is non-specific to any speciality. So there's, there's certain things when you're starting a clinic, when it comes to accounting, legal structure, you know, marketing strategy, through to location strategy with your property and finance. You know, there's certain aspects that are, I wouldn't say completely generic, but they're valid for, for all specialities. Whether you're a specialist, or whether you're a GP or a dental clinic, um, wanting to open up, so that's that's aimed at aspiring practice owners. So the oncoming generation, if you like, of practice owners doesn't mean that you have to be young to be, have your first practice. Not at all, you know. And I suppose the whole purpose behind Practice Success Collective and why we started it was was really to give aspiring practice owners and existing practice owners. Um, access to a talent pool of experts that they need in order to start, grow and succeed in their business. We often laugh about it. It's the cradle to the grave concept. Start with the end in mind, begin with the end in mind. Where do you want to be in 10, 20 years? And what's success look like for you as a, an aspiring practice owner or a practice owner? And how can we help you get there? You know, and I've, I've got a lot of, I'm very grateful for the the team of advisors and experts that have come on board the Practice Success Collective because obviously we couldn't do it without them all. And yeah, so the first one is a startup and then we have four growth summits through the year and they're very specific. So there's a GP summit, there'll be a dental summit, a specialist summit and a veterinary summit. Oh, cool. So yeah, so yeah, a lot in the pipeline. 2023 is going to be huge for us, for Practice Success Collective. Yeah, and and obviously there's experts that are very um, keen on one or two of those specific avenues and it really comes down to who can add the most value for our mutual client base. Interesting. I think it's great too. I mean,
0: you know, when you're coming from the perspective of uh, an organisation that does fit-outs, as you say, but you place a lot of emphasis both on the technology side, but now you're, you know, with the whole practice success collective, it's about the the entirety of, of running the practice. It sounds like you've got this very holistic approach to to doing things. That must be important. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And look, I think that comes back to, actually, we were, we were discussing this very topic at our offsite strategy with the leadership team this year, and we were going, well, you know, what is our why? What, why, do, why does Evoke exist? And, To be honest, yes, it is about improving the well-being of occupants in the physical space through design and fit-out, but it's actually now bigger than that. Like it's about how can we help practice owners succeed? And we just, as a VOC, we only, we play one part in that process, one part in that path to success. It's all very well building someone a fit-out and looks amazing. It might be the best practice in town, But if they don't have access to the people they need in their their corner, you know, like that old analogy of the right people in the right seats on the bus, um, and that can be advisors for the the practice owner, then it's not going to succeed. You know, I think um, we often talk about people-centric practices and there's probably fair to say there's always been an emphasis on patient care um, and the patient experience, which is obviously paramount. In private practice, in any healthcare, um, but where there's probably, I would say, I'd careful to um, blanket it, but um, where there's probably been a lack is in actually focusing on the team that looks after those patients. There's been some sayings: look, look after your team, and you and they'll look after your clients, and that's yeah. exactly what we're talking about. Got you. Um, and so I think to really truly create a practice centric, a, a people centric practice. It's got to be about the team as well as the patients. And then that flows through, like you were just saying, you know, it's not just about the physical space, it's about the tech, it's about the systems and processes. And then it's about the behaviors and you know, the um, strategy and the leadership, you know, in order to create a people-centric culture.
0: And that's what you mean about about people-centric practices. Cause because that can sometimes we, we talk about whether it's Patient centricity or people centricity—it can be—it can be a term that's that's bandied around, but it's it's really about serving the needs of of the people who are operating within the practice uh, and and delivering care, but also for the patients as well. Because from a, from a people perspective, that includes the physical location that they're in, but also the technology that they're using too. So serving those needs, and then the Absolutely. rest follows from there.
1: Yeah, and and it really goes hand in hand because at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how nice the space is. If you don't have a, a team that's pumping and that loves coming to work every day to serve your patients, then you may as well, you won't have a practice. You know, I think, to be honest, probably the biggest pain point of all practice owners in this current market, doesn't matter what speciality is your thing, um, it's attracting and retaining top talent. And I think, if it, how do you stand out in this, in this market as an employer of choice? And yes, you can say what, well, you know, if, if it was just Evoke, put our Evoke hat on, yes, you need a great place to work. But it's more than that. You know, it's about having the leadership and the behaviours. And, and I think, you know, when it, an aspiring practice owner comes to us, it's that's one of the first things we, we question them. You know, have you got a business coach? Have you got an accountant? Have you got a lawyer? You know, you need all these things. And often the, the legal team and the accounting, they think of first, great. But, you know, have you got a strategy? Where do you want to be? How are you going to grow? And and people, if people aren't at the heart of it, it won't succeed. It's as simple as that. Like whether we like it or not.
0: Absolutely. Thinking then back to the the, the physical presence for a second, and you know, talking about that, that there might be clinic owners or those in, in a in a practice setting that might be looking at well. What does it mean in a, in a current environment where um, potentially some patient care or p- some engagement might happen virtually and then some in person and I know organizations with with corporate offices and it, like everyone's facing similar kind of questions. Like, are there any examples of whether it's optimizations or clever use of space or things that are kind of on trend, whatever it might be within a, particularly within a clinic setting that that you're seeing that. That are making a physical space best contribute to success of a practice.
1: Yeah, so you're, I suppose what you're really saying is now we live in a hybrid world, how do you bring it all together between tech and, you know, in-person patient care? Um, and, and great question. I think it opens up that whole topic around mass personalization as well. You know, are we, we can't just anymore, it's, it's not good enough anymore to just take it for granted that people want in-person. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's about understanding your market and your demographic and what works best for them um, and then being able to offer the, the ultimate solution. And so if that is including technology, which I think we're going to see more and more of, are the clinics set up with the infrastructure to actually facilitate that in the best way possible? You know, when it comes to video conferencing, when it comes to having those spaces and, and that then I think, to answer your question, comes down to if you're if if you're seeing patients on a regular basis via technology, it, what's the point of taking up a huge clinic, a huge space for a a consult room just to do technology? So I think where we're seeing it go is that we'll see more of these smaller spaces, a mix of spaces that give flexibility, um, and rather than rather than having you know, designated consult rooms just to the one doctor per se. It it is a shift and it's a shift in thinking and a shift in culture, but I think it is the way forward.
0: From my own experience then as well, sometimes it can feel feel really hard. When you think of a physical space where, you know, there could be a clinic owner who's like, well, you know, I'm setting up my waiting room. I want to make sure it's clean and tidy or, you know, a a consult room and I've got to optimize for space and, I don't know, I'll put this lounge here, I reckon it looks pretty good. It can feel very subjective, or you know they it's a lot based on, but you know a lot of us are scientific or kind of factual people. Have you got any like hard and far like whether it's rules or principles or kind of guiding lights that perhaps you use that are more than just you know this is what Jerry reckons might look pretty good in your in your clinic?
1: Yeah, no, good question because um and I think that comes back to when you're looking at design principles and looking at different. I, I suppose you might call it methodologies when it comes to how to design the practice and probably the first thing to understand is there's obviously spatial design and which is probably probably the the focus of most design companies how do we get the space to be functional and that's absolutely important um, and how to get it to be the most efficient and what it, have what have you but the second part of of design that we spend a lot of we put a lot of emphasis on is the environmental design of the practice or the and all the emotional design of the practice so when I when I call it talk about emotional design we're talking about the emotional journey that every human's on as they enter that practice whether it be the team or whether it be the patient we're all on an emotional journey now obviously it's probably more emotional for the for the patient normally speaking but you know our, our surroundings have a huge impact on us as humans and there's nothing we can Do or or say to change that. You look at environment from the perspective of a plant, for instance. You can't expect a plant to grow in poor conditions. It's the same for us, and even the toughest of us, the environment that we live, work, or play in has a huge impact. And getting, I think, the reason I say all that is getting back to your question around: is there any standards? Is there any proven strategies? Um, one that we, our, t- our design team, embrace is the Well-Building Institute, um, well Institute framework. So it's a standard, as in it's a standard around looking at it holistically on how can spaces improve the well-being of the occupants. And, and it, look, it's not just about the physical space. So the standard looks at, there's like 10 key concepts within the standard. You know they include air water um, nourishment light just trying to think of more movement um, mind community so all these things that are actually have been identified as and researched and proven that it can have a massive impact on the effect of of the space of the environment on our well-being so when it comes to you say well how what effect can you have on nourishment well True, there's certain, there's certain concepts that we can have less of an effect on, but it doesn't mean that we can't promote what the standard's trying to represent and what the standard's trying to promote. And that is to, you know, some of the things might be such as encouraging healthy eating habits. Um, one thing we see in practices all the time is staff areas are reduced to an absolute minimum. <laughs> I think you probably know what I'm talking about often that and granted in with practice um, setting up a practice, you want to maximize your revenue generating spaces. And we totally get that. But at the end of the day, if you're thinking about setting up a people centric practice and putting your team first in order for your patients to have the ultimate experience, then they need looking after. They need investing in. Now, that's very easier said than done, because when you look at, well, I could get another consult room, I could increase my revenue by X. I suppose the key thing to remember there is, are you going to keep your staff? Are you going to attract and retain the top talent that you need? This is where some of this, something like nourishment, where you go, well, that doesn't really have an impact because you can't install something or you can't build something to help with that. But indirectly, yes, Light, light's another important one, natural light, maximising natural light. Again, depending on the space, you've got to work with the, with the cards you've been dealt. And that's, you know, sometimes that's in a shopping centre with very little natural light. So there's strategies that the design team have to really dig into and get creative in order to compensate for the lack if if there is a lack um yeah so we we have a bit of a framework um where we've almost i wouldn't say dumbed down but tried to streamline take it from a very um science-based framework to what are the practical things that we can implement through the design process, that practice owners can really um, implement easily. They can make a big, big impact for the least cost. You know, there's, there's certain aspects to it in the standard that could cost a lot, and obviously that's not gonna be for everyone. But having said that, we always say, look, there's, there's strategies that you can implement. They're, they're backed by science and they're proven to make an impact. Case in point, is biophilic design so when it comes to looking at the mind and the effect that nature has on us as humans and our innate connection with with nature and and that's a simple thing that can be done at no extra cost to and it has a huge impact on that whole emotional aspect of design
0: well yeah like you know back to the point around that you mentioned too about can you can you carve out three quarters of the tea room to then, you know, create another consult room or a nurse, you know, um, you know consult room? And on paper, that sounds great. You could see X amount more of patients and bring in a whatever. But man, I know from my own experience working in clinics and and the 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 amount of conversations I had in the lunchroom and the and the, the the time that you spend in there and you need the the breakout area and in the smaller clinics where they didn't have that kind of stuff, it has an impact and you've got a lot of people who are non-clinical often in a, in, in a, in a but even the clinical people, if they've not got a, a place to fall back to um, by trying to over, overreach, uh,
1: you, you'll end up. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think it's fair to say, and I think everyone that's probably listening to this podcast, we're in the industry, we're talking about industries where people are working long hours, people are putting in a lot of hard work there's a shortage of staff shortage of team so in the time the breaks they do have we need to maximize the rebound and the re-energization of the team in that short time space of time they've got you know and again natural light's not always available but there's ways to compensate for things like that
0: yeah interesting well, I'm sure that'll give a, a lot of people, you know, in the clinic owners that even practice managers working within facilities looking at how they might, you know, make those transformational changes or even little small tweaks around the site and no doubt there'll be resources available through Evoke that they can can access and absolutely like that through, which yep. we'll put on the show notes of this episode. But lastly, Jerry, what's going to keep you busy between now and when we, we next catch up on the podcast? What's, uh, what's, on, the, what's on the horizon?
1: I think with practice success... <laughs> I won't be exactly looking for stuff to do. (laughs) (laughs) And look, I think, to be honest, that's really where my passion is. Yes, we do design and fit out the ultimate space for a practice owner, um, but nothing gives me more joy than um, seeing aspiring practice owners set up for success from day one with the people they need in their their corner that are going to help them and support them and help them grow because um, at the end of the day, if, if it's the first time you've ever set up a practice, you don't know what you don't know, do it? right? You know, so I think talking and, and the question often comes up is like, well, who do you talk to first? Well, it's, yeah, it's basically everyone because you need your accounting, you need your legal, you need your marketing strategy. Um, you know, when it comes to your who's the demographic you're serving, who's the target market, and then that affects your um, your property strategy and where you're going to put your practice. So it really is all entwined. And I think that's really at the crux of what practice success is about is giving you access to the people. If you haven't got access to someone, then we, you know, there's, there's people that, um, we know, like and trust that we can hand on heart recommend that will help you in that area. It's not that everyone has to be utilized by everyone on the team. And I think that's probably the key. The kicker there is that. This is about helping practice owners succeed. This is not about what's in it for us and how much can we get out of it. This is a way we can give back to the community that we serve. Yeah, I think that's my year pretty much. Yeah.
0: No, doing it for the right reasons. And we'll put the the link for Practice Success Collective in the show notes as well and in the comments for people to have a look at and find when the next, you know, virtual event is based on when they when they listen or watch this this podcast episode. So Jerry Mader, I appreciate you coming on and having a chat. Good luck with all the the events and the work that you've got lined up. You're you're a busy guy, but um, deserve all the success that comes your way. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks, Pete. It's been excellent to um, catch up again and looking forward to the next time. Maybe we can reconvene in 12 months.
0: Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) Speak to you then. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June. And I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks. And I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit talkinghealthtech.com.